Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points NBA show. I am your favorite temporary host of this podcast, Rudy St. Clair, and joining me today is a pair of very special guests. Guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Well, hello, Trudy. Hi, Trudy. Hi, how are you, Trudy? I'm Jonald Banghart. And I'm Banjador Banghart. It's nice to meet you. It's it's nice to meet you guys well. Uh, my my name is Rudy, but I'll, I'll accept Trudy if that's what you choose to call me. Um... So guys. Oh, like uh, like a nickname. I understand. I love nick nicknames are so fun, Trudy. I love You know, actually nicknames. I have a nickname. My friends call me Banjo. Ban- it's short for Banjador. <laughs> oh, Banjador. <laughs> you just tear me apart. Mm, anyway, I always do. We're identical twins who were separated at birth. Do you believe it? And we're candidates to be Zach Kleiman's right hand men. Now, we are two multimedia moguls who have both the charisma and basketball analytic minds to send the Grizzlies to the promised land. How would you like that, Trudy? I mean, I do like the idea of the Grizzlies being in the promised land if, if it means uh, some. Identical twins being assistant GM in the front office. Uh, I suppose that's fair means for that to happen. Yes, of course. We're going to win an NBA championship for the Memphis Grizzlies, and we've got a three-year plan for you. That's right, a three-year plan to get the Grizzlies a championship. Let's go, Lario. So what makes you qualified for this position, first off? Well... First off, we are twins separated at birth, but we both still happen to be extremely rich. I happen to be the son of American actor Timothy Lee Reed. You might know him from his work in WKRP in Cincinnati or his work in Sister, Sister. How convenient. He was the father in Sister, Sister, twins also who happened to be separated at birth. I think that's why he took a liking to my story and adopted me early on. <laughs> oh, Jonald. And my mother was Oprah's friend Gail. Oh, of course. I love Gail. I can't get enough of her witty banter. I mean, those are pretty powerful uh, entertainment industry connections. And, you know, the NBA really is just entertainment. Uh, so it, that sounds like that, those alone are uh, very good qualifiers. Uh, let's what get into this plan insight, of yours, Trudy. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, especially from you. So, Trudy, did you say you wanted to get into it? I'll get into it. Oh, yes. Please get into it. Trudy, we've got a new analytic model called the tie test. After Tyus Jones, which is why the Grizzlies are on our map. <laughs> to be honest, right now we're here. To, um, sorry. I, I was eating my shrimp tempura. <clears throat> mm. You do love your shrimp tempura, Jonald. (laughs) Quite so, quite so. We're here to create a whole new universe for the Grizzlies. One that you couldn't have even imagined. We're calling it our Big Bang. Bang as in bang heart. It'll be our job as Grizzlies assistant general managers to give each and every fan a Big Bang. 
And just like so many NBA brothers, past and present, the Splash Brothers, the Gasol Brothers, the Morris Twins, the Brooks Brothers, Dylan and Marshawn Brooks. Of course, we know that your previous GMs were having trouble with knowing which one was which, but we know which one was which. They made our suits. We love the Brooks Brothers. We love the Brooks Brothers. I've Banjo. got a navy suit from the Brooks Brothers. You're looking so dapper in your navy Swiss dot suit. And Donald, I love your pinstripes. Uh, thank you. Quite so. Quite so. Anyway, we want to honor NBA brother heritage by dubbing ourselves the Bang Bros. Bang Bros. Patent pending. For some reason, we've been dealing with some issues with the name, but we've got our best lawyers on it. And believe me, those best lawyers are the best lawyers because we're extremely wealthy. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to our basketball minds. We've got the most amazing basketball minds, Trudy. Did I mention our tie test? Oh, I was going to say, you, you brought it up earlier, but you haven't really gotten into it very much. I'm very curious just because I love Tyus Jones. He, he's uh, probably my second favorite Grizzly right now. We love Tyus. We had to create a whole analytic system around him. We decided to combine the idea of having an eye test plus the extra special juge that makes Tyus Jones such a great NBA addition to a team. So, according to our analytic model, the lowest tie scores to date include Gilbert Arenas in 2009. His shooting percentage on the court was 41%, but in the locker room, his shooting percentage was a measly 0%. Too bad for Gilbert. The other guy was some man named Kobe Bryant in 2003. Unfortunately, I can't find any record of him. I've never heard of Kobe Bryant. Have you heard of Kobe Bryant, Trudy? Uh, I, I actually have. I think, uh, you know, if anything, I think he's a little bit too popular. So I'm really happy that you guys have never heard of him as a sort of a, a yin to the yang that is uh, the overblown popularity of, of Kobe Bryant. That's right. Donald's the ying. I'm the yang. We can't let these certain players rain on our parade. We need, to, we need to just get all the bad juju out of our lives and get all the good juju into our lives. And that's truly what the tie test is all about. That's right. And the highest tie scores of all time are Udonis Haslam throughout his entire career on the Miami Heat. What a great guy. Oh, and I met Udonis Haslam at a networking event in Orlando. He was brilliant. You did not. I did too. I'll tell you all about it after this meeting we're having with this important Trudy St. Clair. Donald, I think this interview is going splendidly so far. I agree. Quite agree. Now, who, who are some of the other high high scores, Banjo. Well, another one of the highest high scores of all time was Richard Jefferson with the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, yes. I love Richard Jefferson. I used to hang out in that locker room the whole year long. I just kept taking shower after shower. I probably took six or seven showers after one game. You know, Donald, the first time I ever heard of something called a podcast was when Richard Jefferson was on the Cavaliers recording with Channing Fry. Rudy, 
Have you ever heard of a podcast? Yeah, I am actually uh, very familiar with Road Trippin' with uh, Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye. I've uh, I've referenced it throughout my content in the past. I say throughout, I really mean exactly one time, but uh, I think you guys are, are aware of exactly what I mean at any given moment. You guys seem very smart, and I, I trust everything you have to say. Uh, tell me more about this, this tie test. How do you guys uh, calculate that exactly? It starts with looking at a player and seeing what extra mm, je ne sais quoi he could add to a team. For example, I don't know, let's say a Dylan Brooks. He might not show up on the, on the scoreboard, but he shows up in ways where it counts. That's right. You see a player and the way they move, the way they look, the way they talk. If people are laughing and smiling when they're around, or if people are grimacing and giving them looks of disgust and anger. But enough of our analytics. Let's get your grizzlies banging. Bang bros. <laughs> All right. So, so what's a what's what's step one in your three year plan here? I, I I expect a title by the end of it. If we're if we're gonna bring you on to uh to be the right hand man of our GM. <laughs> Who do you think we are, Trudy? Of course we're going to get you a championship. Do you think we're, I don't know, Donald Sterling? <laughs> I sure oh, hope too not. Too soon, Donald. Too soon. <laughs> you know, Donald's awfully close to Donald. I'm Donald, not Donald, of course. I would never be such a man. <laughs> oh. He's, now, talk about an owner with a low tie test score. The lowest. Oh, I love that the tie test applies to ownership. I, I assume it applies to coaches and management and the training staff, too. Just everyone involved in the organization can have a tie score. You can apply it to household pets. You can apply it to your baked goods if you want. What we're trying to do is start a revolution from the ground up here. Let's start the year off slowly. Okay? Yes, John. Let's get into year one. This 2019-2020 season is going to start off with a bang blockbuster trade. Bang bros. Bang now, bros. obviously, the Wizards are floundering, and Brad Beal is going to let them know that he wants out of there. So here's our plan. Let's get Bradley Beal to Beale Street. It just makes sense. Am I right, Banjo? You're right, Jonald. Now, Rudy... We've got a three-way trade for you between the Grizz, the Timberwolves, and the Washington Wizards. How do you feel about three ways? Oh, I love a good three-way. You can uh, you can ask I, my friends. I just cannot get enough of those three ways. And as the great philosopher, the Lonely Island once said, "It is okay as long as it's in a three-way." That True sounds about right. Geniuses. All right. So in this trade, the Memphis Grizzlies get. Bradley Beal plus NBA superstar Gorgie Jane. Oh my goodness. Now, John and I are both uh, investors in Gorgie's new shoe, the Gorgie One. Have you heard of it, Trudy? Unfortunately, I have not. It has extra boost to get you straight to the rim. So, tell how do you get that extra boost? If you don't mind, just telling me a little bit about the shoe. I imagine as uh, investors, you're heavily involved. It's the moon bounce technology, Trudy. It's got moon rocks in the soles. You guys have access to moon rocks? Some might say a jetpack that just gets you soaring above the players. It's also got hearing boost. Have you ever seen one word? That says that you cannot use jetpacks in the NBA. Is is that is that in the rules? 
You know, I haven't read the whole rule book, only some. However, I'm, I think it's reasonable to believe that there's nothing about jetpacks in the rule book. Let me say there is not one word about jetpacks in the NBA, which is why we are so fashion forward with these Gorgi ones. You won't even have to worry about defenses. All right, well, we'll have to discuss some business opportunities involving those shoes and, and uh, my bank account when uh, this, this show is over here. Let's get back no, to this no, three-way no. trade. Yes, let's get back to the three-ways. Oh, we love starting our nights out with a... I mean, starting our tenures out as assistant GMs in three ways. So, in this trade, the Memphis Grizzlies get Bradley Beal and NBA superstar Gorgie Jang. Now, of course, this year the Wizards are going to be absolutely terrible. So they're going to want to tear it down completely. So John Wall is headed to Minnesota, along with Andre Iguodala from the Grizzlies and Miles Plumley. I cannot get enough of Miles Plumley. I saw him outside of of the nightclub. It was um it was Project X, the nightclub down on oh, Sunset Project Boulevard. X. And he yes. and I we had a great conversation. We just we all we could mm. talk about was how he the way that he kept his windshield clean was by using Dawn detergent. It's so tough to get that tree sap off of your off of your Bugatti Veyron, but if you just use some Dawn detergent, evidently it'll clear right up. Mm, I call that a life hack. Thanks, <laughs> Jonald. Hashtag life hack, bang bros. Now, the final piece of this trade is that Washington gets their new young star, Andrew Wiggins. They get Jeff Teague and Solomon Hill to make the salaries match. And they get a 2020 second round pick from Minnesota, a 2021st from Minnesota, and a 2022nd from Minnesota. All unprotected, Trudy. The Bang Bros never use protection on their on their picks. Trudy, I could never ever use protection on one of my pre- picks. <laughs> Trudy, we forgot one thing. Atlanta wants to get in on this three-way. Oh, make it a four-way. And you want to know why? We have to make the salaries work with John Wall. So, what we have to do is we have to take Jake Lehman and a Memphis 22nd and bring it over to the city where Shaq and Charles live. Atlanta, the city of dreams. That's not a bad trade, I'm not going to lie. I uh, I like it a lot. Anything for Bradley Beal, honestly. I'm all in on Bradley Beal to Memphis. Bring Beal to Beale Street. And I was, I was in on it before I even realized the serendipity there between uh, Beale Street and Bradley Beal. And that's why we're here, Trudy. Yes, that's that's just the way that our brains work. We're we're cr- quite the creative forces. Well, I'll definitely oh, be sure to uh, to push this three and a half way all the way up to uh, at least to Chris Wallace. I know I I'm a few chain lengths away from having access to Chris Wallace, and he probably won't be happy about it because he's not the GM anymore. But uh, surely he has some influence. I'm sure. Hey, we're here. We're out here to take Chris's job. So if if you know anybody up the chain. Trudy, we're all ears. Oh, yeah. We will discuss that in a private conversation. So how how good is this trade going to make us in year one? Well, Trudy, according to our calculations... Our analytics. We've got some very special analytics. This team will go 40 and 42. Our tie test also predicts wins and losses for the year, believe it or not. Fascinating. Believe it. So this team will finish 40 and 42, and they'll convey the 13th pick to the Boston Celtics. That sounds good to me. 
I was all about conveying the pick this year until I realized that it was rigged for us to get the second pick. Uh, so I am, I'm elated at the idea of conveying, finally. We have to get that pick out of here so that we can move on with our franchise. And in, in the 2020 offseason, this is where things get juicy because we're going to decline those bad boys, Josh Jackson and Grayson Allen. They've got team options for the, for the year 2020-2021. Both of them, you wouldn't be surprised to know, have negative tie test ratings. Oh, I'm entirely unsurprised by that. So we have $23 million now in cap space to start off. So it's very important that we retain Jay Crowder, Dylan Brooks, and then we're going to go out and get some free agents too. Jonald? You know, I cannot get enough of that Joey Harris. He loves being called Slick Joe Harris. Slick Joey Harry, as he likes to be called. When I first met Joe Harris, I was on my sailboat in Albania. Do you know what a sailboat is, Trudy? Have you ever heard of a sailboat? Is that like a like a discount watercraft? Oh, Trudy. Trudy, it's the top of the line watercraft. I was on my sunfish sailing, sailing in the Mediterranean when I found this man with Albanian women draped on both arms and Oakley's draped over his face. And he was driving in his cigarette boat. And you know what I saw? I saw a man. I saw a man with a lot of tie test potential. You know what he said to me? He said, smell you later, Gramps. Do you believe that? He wants to smell me, Jonald Banghart. Well, I just have to get him on this team so that not only can he smell a whiff of my scent, but he can get a scent of the Larry O. Trophy. This sounds good to me. And I'm assuming that uh, he was probably worth more than uh, maybe we have available in cap space after uh, making a few additional signings. So I, I'm assuming that you're going to be able to slip him some crypto under the table in order to get him to come to Memphis. Well, here's the thing. With Jay Crowder and Dylan Brooks, we're able to use uh, bird exceptions on them. So that comes before we start signing our players, our free agents. So that's why with Joe Harris, we're going to sign him to three years, 30 million. And then we're going to have a little bit left over for one more special someone. You know, I thought that this special someone might have been a building in India before I met him. But then I realized, no, that's the Taj Maori. Anyway, this man's name, he's neither a building in India, nor is he a guitar salesman, but his name is Taj Gibson. <laughs> now, this Taj Gibson has some of the highest tie test scores in the land. He is so good for our team chemistry, and he is going to be great playing next to Brandon Clark. He's going to be great playing next to uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Jaron Jackson, whoever. Oh yeah, I would love to have Taj Gibson here in Memphis. He really fits the uh, the grit and grind culture from what I've seen. Are you getting excited for this team, Trudy? Now we now we have so many great players. Like we've added Joe Harris and we've added Bradley Beal. I'm literally trembling. I'm gonna list off these players, Trudy, and I want you to tell me how high your bang meter goes. We measure it out of ten. Ja Morant, 
Tyus Jones, Bradley Beal, Dylan Brooks, Joe Harris, Jay Crowder, Kyle Slomo Anderson, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, Jonas Valanciunas, Gorgie Jang, and Taj Gibson. Rudy, where's your bang meter at? Let's not forget Gorgie Jang is going to be wearing those Gorgie ones next season, as soon as next season. I mean, honestly, if uh, if you didn't bring back up the, the Gorgie ones, I would have been at a mere 9 out of 10. But since you brought that up, I'm going to say I'm on a full-blown 10 out of 10 on the bang scale. The only thing that I have a problem with is Dylan Brooks, because I just I'm not about Dylan Brooks. But that's okay, because we have plenty of players way better than Dylan Brooks. Have you not seen his tailored suit collection in the Brooks Brothers stores? He and Marshawn are quite the tailor, quite the seamsters. I'll have to take your word for it. Now, Trudy, are you ready for our plan to really get banging? Oh yeah, I- I'm ready to bang. Let's start banging hard. Jonald, should we take him to the 2020-2021 regular season? And away we go. So now, this team is pretty good. They're competitive. They're in the playoff race. But you know what, Rude Trudy? It's not good enough for us. So we make another mid-season trade. And I this love time, those things. We're only going two ways. To get our star point guard, Benjamin Simmons. Ooh. Sometimes you have to get intimate to get who you want. So in this trade, Memphis gets Ben Simmons. And Philadelphia gets John Morant, Brandon Clark, Gorgie Jang, and a 2024 and a 2026 first, both unprotected. Because Trudy, the Bang Bros, never use protection on their dick. Prick. Picks. Picks. Anyway, Trudy, it doesn't matter what we give up because we are going to conceive a championship in 2022. How does that sound for your ears? Trudy, what do you think of Ben Simmons? I mean, I would absolutely love to have Ben Simmons here. My only uh, question is, are how are you going to convince Philly to take this trade? Because while they get a pretty sweet package, it's a it's fairly youth oriented, and I understand that they're in contendership right now. Do you expect them to have to trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid eventually? Do those guys not work together? How does the tie test measure pairings of players? Trudy, I have to admit something to you, and and this is something that should not be taken lightly, but. I have a condition called basketball clairvoyance, Trudy. It's something that I've had to live with from the age of five. I've been uh, someone who has been on the cutting edge, on the front lines of knowing that Charles Barkley was going to have to move to the Suns and different moves like that. And just as Charles Barkley had to move from the city of brotherly love down south to where old people retire. We're going to get Ben Simmons because I happen to be a basketball scout. I met Ben Simmons when he was when he was quite young. The Australian Stallion, Trudy. As you know, I am a first-class basketball scout. And when I met Ben Simmons, he was just a 16-year-old kid. And he was in Orlando, Florida. Well, I was on a trip to downtown Disney for my annual mini-golf trip down there in Orlando. And Baby BJ, as he liked to be called, was actually performing as one of the windmills and putting that seven-foot wingspan to work. Banjo, you know I love my wingspans. 
He won't shut up about it, Trudy. All he ever says is, wingspan this, wingspan that. So I asked BJ to wrap his big old arms around me and give me a big old bear hug. I think that we can get this deal done, Trudy, because I think that we can get him to be as dissatisfied with his team as Anthony Davis was this year. I've got the inside track. I got you. I understand. Well, I'm all all on board. So far, so good. And next to no complaints here. I, I can't imagine Memphis having this much star power between Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal and Triple J while we're at it. Uh, but it's definitely a good formula for success, in my opinion. I'm all in. How oh, good is this going to make us? We're glad you love it. Anyway, this team is going to go 49-33 and 33 this season and get booted in the Western Conference semis. Unfortunately, Ben Simmons got to the team a little bit too late. But we still are going to be able to get into the Western Conference and get booted by the Los Angeles Clippers. All right, so let's dive into the offseason that year. Now, we're in the 2021 offseason, and we finally have a draft pick. And that's going to end up being the 22nd pick in the draft. And once again, Trudy, as I was explaining before, I do have basketball clairvoyance. You might ask, how do you know it's going to be the 22nd pick? Well, that's how I know. I just, I happen to have a gift for knowing everything that's going to happen in the future. And I know you think we could, oh, there's no possible way that you could know all the players enough to be able to scout two years into the future with a late first round draft pick. But alas, we've been scouting incessantly. I've been ruthlessly going over some film, and I fell in love with what I saw from the junior out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. His name is Tristan Jazz. Have you ever heard of Tristan Jazz, Rudy? I've heard of Jazz, but not Jazz. Well, Tristan Jazz has been taking the basketball world by storm. He's been making short videos and been making every single layup that I have ever seen. Ultimately, though, I had to go with the raw talent, the man, the myth, the legend, Kareem Biggums. Standing at five foot eleven and a quarter and two hundred ninety-seven pounds, he's gonna play a small ball four for us, and he's gonna be featured in our lineup of deaths. We do have to make sure to keep him as our secret weapon, though, and that has nothing to do with his alleged poor conditioning. Those are hideous rumors, and we will not stand for such slander. Cream Biggins is truly the heart of what makes the Titus so utterly powerful and effective, Trudy. Now, Trudy, are you for, are you familiar with Cream Biggums? Unfortunately, I am not, but at, at 297, I imagine he sets some hard screens. And do, do hard screens make the tie test numbers go up? I love Absolutely. a hard screen. Absolutely. The harder the screen, the harder our ties. Would we be safe to, That's right. when he makes a screen, that he, he makes a bang? Bang, bros. That's right, Trudy. He bangs those people he screens straight to the ground. Donald, I think Trudy's starting to get it. Trudy, I feel like we're some sort of kindred spirit here. It's entirely possible. Now, Trudy, we're going to move on to the 2021 offseason. So according to Real GM, here are the cap projections. And that, once again, I said that's according to Real GM. Like us, real, not fake, GMs. Crudes too, real, authentic. The salary cap will be set at $125 million, with a luxury line of $151 million. Now, at this point, we're already at $142 million. 
and we will crawl our way through the luxury tax for this championship. We don't care how much our owner has to pay because we will get the Grizzlies a title. You see, Trudy, we don't understand the concept of what uh, what's 125 million by today anyway because we're extremely rich as we've said time and time again what is 125 million by what like a gumball or something a candy bar no <laughs> no we are going to spend as much money as we can this year so we can bring home this championship in 2022 all right let's hear it how are we going to do it well, we're going to count on some veteran championship chasers this season, which is why we'll start off with signing the great guard and son of one of the great NBA coaches, Austin Rivers. We all love Austin Rivers. Oh, yes. He's, he's quite good. We want him to be our sec- sixth man off the bench. He's going to be a part of our lineup of death with, along with Kareem. Trudy? Yes. Most importantly, there will be a player in search of his third championship and final NBA contract. Now, this is a player that won his first championship with the Toronto Raptors. He will be eventually traded to the Clippers, where he'll win his second NBA championship. And this offseason, we will sign him so that he can win his third. And that man is Marc Gasol. He'll sign his final deal with the Grizzlies. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I I am a huge Marc fan. Marc might be my favorite player ever, honestly. I had a whole show where I was just reacting to Marc playing in game two of the finals in in real time. It was was great. I love Marc. So I love this idea. Please tell me more. Most importantly, he happens to be an NBA brother. Just mm. like us, Trudy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's very important for the tie test. Now you're exactly. getting it. Now, Trudy, we also want to focus on bringing back other Memphis fan favorites. Because it's important that the people in the city have people to cheer for for this championship run. So we're going to sign one of the most well-liked and influential Grizzlies of all time. A player who, when you say his name... You think of that beautiful powder blue. And Trudy, I'm sure that you already know who I'm talking about. Go ahead, say his name. Is it Jeff Green? Trudy, How that's right. We're we'll signing Jeff Green. Trudy. Oh, man. Nothing, nothing quite like Jeff Green to come back home and fulfill the void that he created by creating this awful draft pick protection between us and, and Boston. If he can make it right by just contributing one good season to Memphis, I would make it okay. We'll see if he gets any minutes behind Cream Biggums. <laughs> That's true. He might not even make the rotation at this point, but he'll be on the bench cheering us on. So, Trudy, after all is said and done, The roster looks like this. Ben Simmons, Tyus Jones, Austin Rivers, Brad Beal, Dylan Brooks, Joe Harris, Jay Crowder, Kyle Slomo Anderson, Jaron Jackson, Jeff Green, Kareem Biggums, Jonas Valanciunas, and Marc Gasol. I love it. I love it so much. I'm assuming that Dylan Brooks is only there as a fashion consultant at this point. Trudy, have you been getting into our notebook lately? Because that's private. 
you understand us much too well. Yes, the players have to dress in nice suits, so Dylan Brooks has to be on the team. I understand entirely. I I think I'm in love with this roster. It, I mean, it's it's a championship roster, according to you guys. I mean, I have no choice but to love it. I mean, you would not believe how great this team is going to be. We're going to go 54 and 28. That's really good. That's really That's good. right. And by June 2022, we're going to give our good old friend Larry O'Brien a pair. <laughs> a pair of what exactly? Trudy, that's a great question. The Bang Bros are destined to double team the NBA. We're going to give them a pair of twins. <laughs> the NBA has been lacking our flavor. And that's what they need is us, Trudy. They need us. Right. So when you uh, when you win the championship, I'm assuming you'll be the first to speak on the mic after Adam Silver uh, presents the trophy. That is exactly right. We are going to be the true leaders in spirit and in mindset. The Bang Bros, we always will find those open holes to bang in those other front office strategies. That's how we're going to achieve the acquisitions of Bradley Beal or Ben Simmons. We're going to fill those holes right up and bang. Bang Bros. So, what will it be, Trudy? Did we get the job? Are we assistant general managers of the Memphis Grizzlies? I have so many people to thank. <laughs> well, if it were up to me, you'd have a hundred percent guarantee of getting the job. I would I would even skip over the assistant GM role and let you be the full blown GM. I mean, between your exuberant wealth that you're willing to invest in the team, as well as your literal ability to see the future when it comes to basketball. I think you are possibly the most qualified front office uh, free agents in the market right now. And it would be an honor to have you on the Memphis Grizzlies. So I will see uh, just what I can do to get you guys in the organization. Wait, Trudy, what's this, what's this whole thing about I will see what I can do? We heard that you had all of the power of making these decisions and hiring this position. Trudy, we thought you were the owner. Oh no. Trudy, what's what's going on? You are part of the ownership team? You I'm not part of the ownership team. In fact, I'm I'm not even a part of the organization at all. I am merely a fan. You must have me confused with Robert Para, which I under, understand our our names start with R's. Is that even his name? I thought your name started with a T, first of all, but this feels like a bit of a bait and switch. How come we are even on this podcast? This reminds me of the time that I went to a dinner party at my friend Jonathan Taylor Thomas's house. I ended up buying $13,000 in Mary Kay inventory. Oh, JTT, you tricked me. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't believe I've done it, quite frankly. I literally cannot believe that I've done it, but... If, if I can do anything to make it up to you guys. Trudy is illiterate of, alliterative of, trickster. Trudy the trickster. Am I right, Banjo? Trudy trickster. Trudy trickster. trickster you really Trudy. did trick us this time, Trudy. I well, am out of here. You can say goodbye to Jonald Rembrandt and, Banghart. And say goodbye to Banjador Steven Tyler Banghart. Well... Goodbye, Bang Bros. Uh, it was really fun. Can I still post this? Will people listen? 
You'll be hearing from my lawyer. Okay, that's fine. You you have my number. So long, Trudy. Bye, Bang Bros. Well, um, that was uh the interesting experience to to talk to the the Bang Bros there. Uh, they had some really good ideas as well as some some metaphysical uh you know, impossibilities in in terms of like their power and what they can do. I mean, basketball clairvoyance is really something that's that's valuable. Uh, so next up, I have the host of the Coast to Coast podcast. Uh, guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Jacob. What's up? I'm Chilanga. I'm I'm go- I just went, Dylan. I'm Chilanga, and I'm Dylan. Chilanga What's always up? goes first. Yeah, I do always go first. Hey, Rudy, thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to have you guys on. I just got done with this incredibly odd interview with these. I don't know if they're millionaires or billionaires, but they definitely gave me the impression that they're billionaires. And um, they thought they thought I was the owner of the Grizzlies for some reason. I saw him. So I'm in Los Angeles. We're, we were using the same podcast studio, actually. I saw those guys coming out in their ascots. And, like, one of them kept, like, he, like, got right in my face, like, way too close. And he kept saying, like, he kept saying, bang bros, bang bros. So I, I had no clue what that was about. But Sounds like maybe they were porn stars, Dylan. <laughs> Honestly, they looked like it. They were they were dressed in like these suits that looked they were like they were out of the seventies and had these horrible mustaches. Were they bald? Because if they were bald, then then it's a lock that they're porn stars. They weren't bald. They had these they had these like this weird curly hair that it was like an afro, but it wasn't clean. I don't know how to explain it other than like maybe like a Shia LaBeouf type of like a young Shia LaBeouf type of hair. Mm, the young Shia. They were definitely on like the same type of wavelengths as Shia LaBeouf, but uh, the the NBA uh, billionaire uh, version of it. You guys ever just go into the hairdresser and say, let me get the young Shia. Should I get a young Shia, please? And they're like, you mean the Shania? And then you get a different haircut. But and then you get something way Shania different. Hair. Shania <laughs> all right well um in all all seriousness uh this was um a a really great little uh experience a good bit that you guys just did for me uh as as the bang bros um tell tell me about your uh your experience how you come to manage to uh conceive of that bit tell me the the writing process or a little bit about just what originated the idea for the tie test speaking to uh the non-character real life people here uh behind the right. the idea of the bang bros break breaking uh whichever wall in a that is because it's not quite is, is it the fourth wall i'm not sure T- just tell me about the creative process inside uh, baseball yeah inside baseball we you know we break down all the walls with our comedy so no walls here um i guess really when we were going to come on your pod dylan and i just both decided that it would be best for us to just be complete buffoons uh, to really represent what we do on our pod and, and who we are and, and the things that we like. And um, mostly we just we wanted to be ourselves, Rudy, for you. And this was the way that we knew how to do that. <laughs> was through character. No, I totally understand. I live life in a character. I'm, I, uh, I put on sunglasses when I record 
uh, video shows just to just to put the persona on. So I completely understand the the authenticity of, of creating a fictional character. <laughs> it's it's the authenticity of inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know we we really love and value taking time to write together and you know to come up with bits and we'll spend literally hours on the phone just shooting the shit writing you know telling jokes talking basketball and our process is is really just that we talk for three or four hours and we we come up with a bit of a script and a perspective for the characters and then we kind of roll and improv from there yeah, my my background is in sketch writing and uh, and improv, and I also went to clown school in San Francisco. So a lot of what inspires me is taking these things about basketball that we know and that we love, and then taking them to the next level. So like having these characters that, while they're not necessarily intelligent people they still have intelligent ideas that shine through and they can play around with those ideas. And that, and that way, uh, like we can kind of explore all the things that we love, like all the comedy behind the NBA or whatever. Right. Like, cause I could, I could tell even just, uh, feeling, feeling it out through that show that you put just little nuggets of truth <laughs> in, in what you're doing, you know, like these trades, are incredibly outrageous. They may be elaborate and, you know, have a little bit of comedic value to them, uh, but they're plausible and rational just from like a strictly basketball perspective as well. It, it's like you guys almost developed a character that satirizes a, a very specific niche of uh, the NBA world that doesn't really get talked about very much. And I really appreciate that because I think that ownership or, or the front office people are often overlooked in terms of like mainstream narratives when in reality they may be the most important parts of how an NBA team operates and simultaneously it just doesn't get the attention. Uh, so you guys did a really good job, in my opinion, of just uh, sort of satirizing that archetype and and exposing how it's entirely plausible for just the the crazy rich motherfuckers who run NBA teams to really barely be thinking about basketball, but also have like their own entirely selfish motivations. Like uh, I love the whole bit about the dang shoes, the dang ones, <laughs> the gorgy ones. That's been yeah. an ongoing bit that we have going to on our podcast. We've been doing that with our friends uh, Jake and Cole. Well, mostly Chilanga's friends Jake and Cole, but now they're my friends too. Yeah, they're I your friends too for sure. Myself. Uh huh. Yeah, the Gorgi one has been been in stores or been about to be in stores for a long time now. So yeah, everybody, you need to go out, go out and get your Gorgi ones. But that's what we do. We punch up. We never like to punch down. So like, if we're going to like satirize someone or or make fun of someone, we want to do it in the most uh, appropriate comedic way possible. So like, making fun of the top of the the top of the food chain is always going to be the funniest way to do it. So like, thinking about doing. Um, general managers or doing ownership or whatever making fun of those guys is going to work way more than if you make fun of the guy who's going to get cut uh like if we like we make fun of ty wallace on the t wolves or something like that like don't make fun of the g-leaguers make fun of the guys who uh are taking advantage of everyone else <laughs> yeah because i feel like there's a definitely a uh maybe maybe not so much a trend but just something that happens in a in independent sports commentary which is a you know a euphemism for just 
jackasses on the internet like me who just uh, form out opinions on players and in order to seem right and also funny they just call some mediocre player even just like trash or some shit like that and like cool it's a little funny maybe but it's really not that funny and also just kind of uh inherently disrespectful to the game even so so uh yeah making making players the the butt ends of like neg negative criticism type jokes is a really not my style either so i i respect that about y'all for sure uh so tell me a little bit about this uh i get the impression that you're minnesota fans uh how did that happen for you guys uh well we are both from minnesota born and raised in minnesota uh shout out shout out to minnesota uh, Dylan grew up in the town of Wyzetta. I grew up in Minneapolis, about about twenty minutes away from each other. Uh, and then we went to uh, we went to college together in Iowa. Shouts to Luther College. Uh, we L U. L U L U T H. And we're not gonna do that right now. Uh, but uh, we were both music majors. Dylan was composition and vocal performance. Dylan? I was composition, vocal performance, slash, I was also a theater minor, but uh, Luther College did not have the strongest theater program, so I didn't really get as involved as I maybe would have otherwise. Ooh, throwing some shade at Luther College. Don't, don't tag Luther College in this episode, uh, Rudy. Oh, dude, definitely do not. The Center for the Fine Arts is a very <laughs> fine building. I love everyone there. But yeah, I just, I didn't end up doing as much, like, theater stuff as I wanted to. Um, I Chalanga and I actually met auditioning for the improv team, the uh, Luther College improv team Top Banana, uh, yep. which I never, ever got into, but Chalanga did. And yep. yeah, I just remember really enjoying Chalanga's humor in the uh, in that audition and remembering who he was and just kind of, you know, keeping tabs on him and like, <laughs> like as if I was watching you the whole time. Dude, I was like, I kind of got the vibe, you. you know, like he would like my Facebook photos from like years back. Um, <laughs> I would get, you know, I would get these weird texts like, hey, are you doing OK? I noticed and it would be something that he couldn't have noticed unless he was, you know, it was just very strange for a long time. Uh, it was but. definitely homoerotic, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> did, is, I don't even know if this is a bit anymore, but, uh, but yeah, like we, we weren't that close at Luther, but, but we, I mean, we definitely stayed in touch through the Timberwolves basically. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I can get on board with that for sure. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's interesting because in my just personal life, I've kept some of my closest relationships through distance uh, by digital means, you know, like uh, when oh, yeah. I moved away from my hometown when I was 15, almost 16, uh, you know, I'd been around the same people for fucking ever. And we would literally just fucking play Xbox Live for like two or three hours a day, just hanging out, talking to each other. And uh, right. those people are all still like some of the closest people in my life today. And now I'm still making new friends and connections and things just over the internet, uh, especially with this NBA shit, you know? It's like so many people on NBA Twitter are just looking for other people to talk about basketball with and uh, made lots of connections that way. Uh, it's, right. it's, like so us, it's really that's how we connected. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we connected, Rudy. That was You were our first, like, you were our first other podcast person that kind of made an effort to, like, follow us back and like like our statuses and whatever blah 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 um yeah so thank you for that rudy 
Yeah, of course. I uh, I do what I can with what <laughs> what limited power I have on Twitter. I, I try to use it responsibly. But no, I, I really like your guys' shit because it's a it's an honest effort. You know what I mean? You have a a, a creative idea rather than just like a thing to do. Because there, there's a uh, some people out there. I'm not gonna name names, and none of them are my friends, so it's not really a big deal. But it's just there's a lot of people who get started in shit like podcasting or creativity online with the intention of it being a, an avenue to get paid for having an opinion and to just be a lazy son of a bitch. Uh, there's a lot more people you know, who are in it for the right reasons, but there is a small niche of people out there for sure that are not about it for the sake of creativity. And I can tell that you guys are definitely not even close to that. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I never wanted to start a podcast. Like I <laughs> made fun of people for starting podcast. I made fun of my girlfriend, Shuli for starting a podcast because I was like, but like, do you really want to start a podcast? Like, what are you going to, what are you going to say? Like, what's going to, you know, like, and she's going to hate me <laughs> for saying that. But like, I, I just understand like, everybody's starting their own podcast right now. Everyone thinks that they have something to say, but I just did not feel like I had anything to say about any, about any topic. And I was like, yeah, it would be a great a- avenue for me as someone who's like into audio and into stand up comedy or improv comedy or sketch comedy. And it'd be great. But like, I don't, I never wanted it to feel inauthentic. And when Chalanga told me, so like the way that it actually happened was Chalanga and I were texting back and forth and he's the only person who would text about the Tim rules with me. So I would always have to test text him first. And he's like, or I, we were Facebook messaging. He's like, let me just give you my phone number because this is too much for Facebook. Yeah. We didn't right even now. have each other's numbers. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so I, so I gave, so we started texting and then eventually Chalanga was like, let's just start a podcast. And I was like, no, podcasts are so <laughs> stupid. And then no. eventually I was like, oh, wait, there's something fun about this that we could do. And like, I think we have, we have something different to say than maybe a, the typical podcaster does. We're not just sitting down and talking. We're taking, we're actually like taking time to prepare and we're, uh, we're creating characters and creating narrative. And there's a lot of like, uh, theater of the mind stuff that we do like we did this episode where we were at the target center but not actually at the target center but i added all of the reverb and stuff to make it seem and then make make it seem like the target center was filled with people and it was it ended up sounding really fun damn i'm gonna i'm gonna have to you're gonna have to link me to that because i haven't heard that episode yet the episode that oh, yeah, always comes to mind for me with you guys immediately is the one where you did like nba dungeons and dragons <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. 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 Oh, that frustrated the shit out of me. <laughs> you were so mad, Dylan. Well, so that was like that was my first try at at game design. I'd never done that before, um, but I, I I just came up with the idea of like wh- like how can we simulate the off season in a way that is our own and also fun and interesting. And so I thought, you know, why not? try to make it a game now i've only played dungeons and dragons like three or four times so i really didn't know shit so i was calling up like friends of mine who i knew did game design and played a bunch of dungeons and dragons and let me tell you rudy designing a game takes 
a lot of fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, it does. There's no fucking doubt about it. Yeah, so I could just I could just tell that that episode was like heavily involved because, like you're saying, designing a game like that does take a lot of time because it's more than just like setting up a bunch of rules and parameters. It's like actually thinking about what those rules and parameters imply and how they function in the mechanic of your game and things. Like it's all very involved. <laughs> I think right. the most difficult part was Chalanga had to think about, will this piss Dylan off? And then if it did, he would include it in the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that was really important. I really wanted to make Dylan upset. That's kind of my main goal most of the time when we're potting is like, how can I make Dylan the most mad? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a that's a very healthy dynamic to have uh, for your personal yeah. lives, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, we love each other, man. We're just fucking best fucking friends. It's amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, we definitely we definitely love the comedy aspect. We also love, you know, the the other one thing that we really appreciate about you is that you also have a, like a social justice mindset to it. And oh yeah, dude, that, that's that's a yeah. low key the ultimate goal of it all is like you get any amount of audience and then you're like okay. Let me let me teach y'all something. Please don't be dicks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think we might be the first podcast that has officially canceled Kobe Bryant. We don't know who Kobe Bryant is. Yeah, well, I don't even know that name, man. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's truth in that, but bit. I, I keep seeing the name around, but I don't know who that is. I didn't even put that together, honestly, over the course of the the first half of the show, <laughs> where it's like Kobe Bryant doesn't exist because he's canceled. I thought it was just pure comedy of having like the most relevant name in the past twenty years, arguably. Uh, just being non-existent in your minds. <laughs> I yeah. that's that's the best part of comedy is sometimes it's uh sometimes it's smart, sometimes it's stupid, but it's sh- hopefully it's funny whether you think about it that way or not. You know what I mean? Like so, we think Kobe's canceled, so we just pretend he doesn't exist. But it's also just absurd to think that Kobe doesn't exist. So I think that there is there's definitely both layers to that. Yeah. That's probably the best part about irony in general is that it's uh, not only a corrosive force, you know, you don't do things ironically to embrace them, you do them to to kind of wither them away. Uh, but when you in- implement multiple layers of, of irony, it creates more avenues for people to enjoy the joke, uh, like my dumbass did, by not even understanding that uh, it was Kobe Bryant didn't exist because he was canceled. <laughs> so it's a. Can you believe he won an Oscar the year that the Harvey Weinstein shit went down? That's like the most insensitive thing that has happened in the history of humanity. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I mean, Kobe's not the sensitive type. <laughs> I mean, like there, there's like th- maybe two neither, or three. Gifs neither of, is Hollywood. <laughs> no matter how much they would like to pretend that they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, fucking the whole thing about uh, the. Me Too movement, Weinstein, all of it is that, uh, you know, everyone that's involved in that industry already kind of knew that shit, like most of it anyway, or at least parts of it that are like mission critical to it being a fucked up little corner of the world. And yet it just took this long and a few motherfuckers to come out and be like, hey, I might be a motherfucker for coming out and blowing everybody's secrets, but the people's secrets I'm blowing out are bigger motherfuckers than me. <laughs> It's like right. if you're in yeah, in LA, as far as I get it, not speaking from my experience, but you know, transplanting other people's experiences into mine, I understand it that you just fucking know that shit because everyone's already talking about it. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, but uh, yeah, we we appreciate the work that you do, Trudy. 
We are Trudy. I'm still calling you Trudy. <laughs> Chalinga, yeah. that was only for the bit. <laughs> it's oh, like, oh no, shit. nothing is real. <laughs> Damn, I was just so in the character that I can't stop. Uh, even though I slipped a bunch of time in character and said Rudy. Uh, anyway, we, we appreciate the shit that you do. And uh, we definitely want to have you on our pod in the future too. Yeah, 100% for sure. We'll, we'll book it ASAP. <laughs> Um, Hell yeah! Let me uh, let me ask you. Uh, let's see, what are we running at? Uh, we we got a little bit of time. It's fine. Uh, great. Let me great, let great. me let me ask you this. Uh, how did you actually like bona fide make the decision? Like, what took you from no to just doing it? You know, because I feel like for a lot of people, getting involved and in, like taking a creative idea and turning it into a creative action is a lot of work just the mental gymnastics that go into it so as someone who like started off from below zero being like no i don't want to do this what what took it over the top to make it a yes we're doing it we're going all in we're putting energy towards this well it was because i had a partner like i wasn't gonna go off and do this thing myself and i was like this is way too much work to put into me doing it myself and i didn't it's also tough to like and I don't, I don't mean to be speaking like towards you or anything at this. Cause I know you, you work really hard and do this thing all by yourself and that's amazing, but it's just tough for me to be able to put out in, information into the world and say like, Oh, everyone listen to me. But I think having that team aspect makes it feel like, uh, it's a, it, like it's a little bit more palatable. <laughs> the content's a little bit more palatable or like a little bit more, um, a little bit less like, self-centered but I, I like the way that you put it when you were talking about like our community because um because i think that you have a great like positive mindset on the nba podcast community itself so um i never had seen it that way but now that i have started i do see um i do see how like we can all be one big happy family you know yes yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure and to just like let out the the greedy capitalist pig inside of me it's like you can take that and and like also appreciate you know the positive vibes out of all the one big happy family idea of it all but there's also just so much money to be made in the independent uh news coverage even beyond sports just independent news coverage i think you know and in, in like a post iPhone society where everyone has access to the democratization of information. Uh, anyone can have an opinion and it's only as important as however many people follow that opinion. And, and if we can all sort of come together and maybe not one person, you know, take down the, the monolith of ESPN and Fox or whatever, uh, maybe collectively we can at least be as relevant. And I think that's the type of thing that's going to happen sooner rather than later because it's happening almost everywhere else. But in the sports media world, it's still in its infancy. Like some of the best creators have followings in like the five digits rather than like six or seven. Right. That is, that is so true. There's so much good independent basketball work being done that is looked down on because I there's there's still a very like there's a prestige mindset in 
in NBA media still. Right. It's like you get Shannon Sharp's opinion because he's a fucking tight end. Why do you want to come here and listen to me? It's like, oh, well, I've built up a library and a portfolio and people seem to latch on. You know, it's like it's it's a whole different way of of uh, getting attention and credibility. Right. So it's a lot less. Uh, I left for path. like the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're talking about shannon sharp now i personally i love shannon sharp as a human i think that he is like a really eloquent speaker he speaks to a lot of black issues very readily and very passionately and it's amazing i love his lisp yes <laughs> and also i don't really give two shits about his basketball opinions <laughs> oh no i mean like former players who are talking about sports that aren't even their own sport Get real. I mean, like, I guess Chris Carter was on top of that whole Kawhi thing, but it's just, it's amazing to me that like that now there are so many former athletes that are talking about things in the NBA, but we don't really. I mean, we care what the players have have to say, but we don't care that much. I mean, we want to hear. I personally want to hear different things. I don't know if i follow any former player like that religiously like i tried to listen to the shack podcast and i was like jesus you know i love shack but i could not handle that podcast for more than a month (laughs) no and it seems like a oftentimes uh players tend to not really care very much to continue growing their perspective on the game as time goes on because I feel like they've paid their dues and now they can sort of relax in that regard. And so you get guys who are um, sort of accidentally throwing hot takes out there when they're not really a takesman because I can, I can appreciate a good take. If anything, I would aspire to be someone who can construct and uh, <laughs> spread uh, a, a good take. You know, a good take is one that divides the audience. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but there's this uh, wonderful show by uh, the host of the rice of Ricky Sanchez, Spike Eskin and a couple of his buddies. Uh, and it's yes. called the art of the take. And it's basically like a meta analysis of that whole scene of people who just spit flames. You know, they, they have like a take oh. report card and they give their own hot takes on sports and non-sports at the end of the show. It's a really excellent program. And I think that sort of uh, understanding of how the, the sports media world uh, sort of works is something that a lot of people don't have. They just see talking heads and listen. Uh, but what they don't understand is that their opinions are constructed in order to divide because division creates attention you know i'm glad you brought that up because dylan and i actually have a very a very hot take series of podcasts uh it's our convince me series and <laughs> our basically our... that was my version of the D podcast because i was trying to just piss off chilanga the whole time <laughs> and my <laughs> argument was that michael, michael jordan was the third greatest player of all time <laughs> that is a fucking scorcher <laughs> you could tweet that out just one line and you know if it came across the right amount of people you would get ratioed into oblivion which is what you want so that that's a that's a good one <laughs> i mean we don't know we we don't understand any of the models the um analytic models of social media no, but we're bad uh, at that. we definitely we definitely were trying to go after that at some point and yeah, so uh, Michael Jordan was the third greatest. I spent three hours talking to Chalanga, going through 
all of these three players' careers trying to convince Chalanga. And I think we came to some like pretty strong conclusions that I th- people should listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check it out. Ma- meticulous research by Dylan. It was really, it was really beautiful. Also, I was in the Caribbean for one of the episodes, so you can hear a bunch of cool Caribbean sounds. So that's a that sounds relaxing. It's like a. It was. <laughs> uh, the future of NBA podcasts is to put uh, just like lo-fi hip hop beats in the background. <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. Dylan actually makes some lo-fi hip hop beats, so maybe uh, maybe that's the future of our podcast too. Yeah, if you could um, if you could score this podcast that we just did um, to some original lo-fi hip hop, I will uh, pay you ten dollars. Thanks. Let's uh. That's what, uh, maybe a penny every hour? Probably, uh, roughly. I mean, sco- scoring an hour and change in of a podcast surely couldn't be that hard. Surely. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on it depends on how intricate. If we're talking Bernard Herrmann score, then you know that there are a lot of notes. So per note, it would be very cheap. But if we're talking like Old Town Road type of score, then yeah, I could pump that out and. An hour or two. Hell yeah. We'll talk about that uh, off air. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, here, this is the last part. This is a little bit uh, more topical, a little bit less evergreen. Uh, but how are you guys on Andrew Wiggins? Because let me give you my impression so you could sort of uh, correct me or just vehemently yeah. agree with me. <laughs> uh, I understand that Andrew Wiggins is just straight up bad. He's good at getting his buckets. He has lots of potential just because of his athleticism and just raw talent. But if, from what I can tell, it kind of seems like he just doesn't give a shit about getting any better. It's like he's got he got his bag, you know, and he's just sort of going through the motions. And he's sort of capped his ceiling at like a mediocre version of Rudy Gay. And I was all about the idea of taking a gamble as the Grizzlies once we traded Mike Conley and acquired that 30 plus million dollar trade exception to just absorb Andrew Wiggins for little to nothing and to say, Hey, we'll take you the cap space off of you to take Andrew Wiggins off your hands. And maybe the change of scenery and like the culture of Memphis could maybe light a fire up in his ass. And it'd be, it'd be a good gamble on uh, Wiggins potential, but obviously the Memphis Grizzlies front office is way smarter than me because they use the shit out of that trade exception. Like, Oh my God, I need to like do a comprehensive overview of just how incredibly well they use that trade exception. So how are you guys on Andrew Wiggins? All right. So Andrew Wiggins is, we're very passionate about Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins gets more, flack than he deserves now i mean and it's singularly because of the ringer i'm going to shout out the ringer the ringer is is literally a block away from my house not that's not an exaggeration i can see bill simmons office from where i live get your molotovs ready they have (laughs) they have have besmirched andrew wiggins name they spent an entire week explaining how he's how his contract was the worst contract in the league and that he might be the worst NBA starter in the league and blah blah blah. And honestly, I think both of us are super sick of it. Yeah. Now, we we acknowledge his flaws. We acknowledge the lack of engagement. We acknowledge the lack of like improvement each year, the defensive like nothingness, the disappearing act that he plays his inability to shoot efficiently, 
his lack of aggressiveness. Like we we acknowledge all of that, and also the man has scored like twenty, almost twenty points his first three three seasons in the NBA. That's like good. That is a good NBA player. If if you're a twenty point per game scorer, you are a good NBA player. Period. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair thing to say. I just think that oftentimes, I mean, like, sure, 20 points is valuable for sure. And normally when you're a 20-point-per-game scorer, it means that your team can rely on you to get a bucket when they need it the most. Uh, but I just think that it's entirely plausible to be a 20-point-per-game scorer and have so many negatives on the other end of the floor. Like, for example, how do you get your 20 points? How do you play on the the, the things that don't show up in the stat sheet, the intangibles, right. the things that would come into this tie score, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, uh, I think it's entirely right. possible to be bad and to also score 20 points a game. I think Andrew yeah. Wiggins might be that. You know, and I think the other thing is the the fact that he was the number one overall pick, the fact that Kevin Love was traded for him. You know, it, it looks it looks disappointing in that context. Um, I also think that the the idea that he just got his money and now he doesn't give a shit is I, I just don't I just don't believe that to be true because he's overblown. Is, yeah, he's a he's a good person. He's a he good is person. a good person. He's a good father. He yeah. is in the gym all the time. Like if you follow Andrew Wiggins consistently, you would know that Andrew Wiggins is con- constantly working on his shot in the gym, working yeah. on basketball skills, and he's like he wants to get better. I, it's just not clicking. I, I think you know? that part. Of, I didn't. But I do see the disengagement on the court. Obviously, yeah. that's true. But I do think off the court, he gives a lot of effort. And I mean, for example, he didn't want to do um, FIBA this year because he wanted to focus on the Timberwolves. And right now, the Wolves, I don't know uh, what you've seen or heard from the Wolves training camp and, and prior to that, but like, there's a different aura around the Timberwolves right now. And mm-hmm. if Andrew can get into that mindset, that could flip things around for him. I do feel like he has this... He has this mindset where, like, that did not click with Jimmy Butler at all. He had the best season of his career in 2017. He was he scored 24 points a game. He had uh, four rebounds, 2.3 assists. He was really looking good on the offensive side of the ball and had incredible athletic potential on the other side on on defense. But uh, the problem was that, was that like you take someone in who not only does he play the exact same position that Andrew Wiggins plays, which is like a points guard like a a guard who needs the ball to score uh and at the same time has a a bunch of length and should be guarding the same people that jimmy butler is guarding of course andrew wiggins is going to have a down year but on top of that you have jimmy butler's personality and all of that coupled on top of itself just led to the last two years of horrible horrible basketball from andrew wiggins yeah, this sounds perfectly reasonable, quite frankly. I mean, I hope it clicks for him because I, I don't root for failure, quite frankly. <laughs> like, I, I, uh, unless I have like good fucking reason, you know what I mean? Like, I, I root for Jason Kidd to fail. But, <laughs> uh, I, I like to think that Andrew Wiggins has canceled, <laughs> doesn't exist. Many Lakers don't exist. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, if, uh, let's say we go back a few months, 
Uh, would you, if you were unironically in control of the Grizzlies front office, would you have used that trade exception to take on Andrew Wiggins for, say, uh, a shitty, uh, overly protected first round pick that like devol- dissolves into two seconds or some shit like that in exchange for just the free cap space if you're Minnesota? Um, if you're Memphis, do you do that? I think I'm buying Andrew Wiggins based on w- how he's perceived in the media and on Twitter, but I don't know if I'm buying him based on what his actual NBA value is because I think the NBA teams are valuing Andrew Wiggins like as a neutral asset. I think that he is in, you're, in order to get him, he you will have to give up neutral like a you won't the Timberwolves might not have to get rid of more than they're taking. Right. Um, yeah. I, th- I think he's closer to a neutral asset than at least Twitter thinks. To me, that seems like something that the Wolves do, but the Grizz don't. Um, okay. Because yeah. I think, uh, you know, as much as we just sat here and defended Andrew Wiggins, I think the wol- like Wolves management would breathe a little easier if Andrew Wiggins wasn't on the books. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of intuitive sense. And like I said, the Grizz front office is obviously way smarter than me and did a lot more with that trade exception. So Minnesota um, does it. Memphis uh, does. Uh, Sort of seems like a closer to the consensus on that idea from uh, among the people I've put that idea out towards. Uh, My friend John Burr, who's part of the Fast Break Breakfast podcast and lifelong Grizzlies fan, uh, hated the idea because he despises Andrew Wiggins. (laughs) Well, you should watch him play sometime, and you know, I I bet he'll be a little bit impressed. Why? Yeah, wh- you should watch, watch him play, play OKC. against OKC. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard OKC for some reason. I don't know what it is, but all his best games have been against OKC. <laughs> something about a uh, Oklahoma man. Nobody knows. I would take it. I'm I'm buying Andrew Wiggins stock, and I think that NBA GMs know that Gerson is not desperate to get Andrew Wiggins off a team. If he were desperate to, he would have done it already. He is very aggressive. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up. Could you please plug the shit out of yourselves? Like, just every social media, uh, you know, tell people to review your podcast five stars and to, to leave a, a review and all that. Just plug the shit out of yourself. You you earned it. Five stars, five stars, five stars. All right, follow us on social media on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA, on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Pod. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can please, please, don't you not you can, you should and you will download, subscribe, rate and review just hit the five star button it's easy it's so and we only want good reviews if you're gonna give a bad review just don't bother like be be bambi about it yeah please make it so sweet it's so easy all you have to do is say five stars you could say i liked it it was good we are accepting all liars Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's what you gotta do and please Send us an email. We love to get emails at coast to coast NBA pod at gmail. Tony B, you know who you are. And remember, it's coast, the number two coast. Don't spell it out. It's the number two. Right, because there are two of you, the Bang Bros. That's, That's right. right. Bang Bros. <laughs>
and uh, uh, cool. oh god that came across simultaneously it was fucking perfect awesome <laughs> that's that's definitely getting oh, cut man. right there at the, so that's right we've been doing this for long enough now that we kind of just really feed off each other well rudy we finish each other's uh, sexual experience jobs <laughs> See? Uh, wow, that's those were the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm su- super happy to do it again sometime, and I'll come on your show as soon as uh, as soon as we book it. You know, definitely. Maybe uh, the first time the Grizz and the Wolves play, that'd be perfect. We could. Um, this is a stretch, but I've done the the one show where I just uh, only record the podcast during the commercial breaks, and it's a, a very interesting vibe. Maybe we should try that out. And oh, both watch really the game simultaneously when it goes commercial just Very quick get in your thoughts <laughs> i get my commercial breaks two minutes late by the way because i'm still on the nba streams <laughs> oh yeah dude i'm i'm subscribing to oh, fucking same. illegitimate ass uh, streaming services very soon <laughs> oh thank goodness same dude so we'll all be getting our commercial breaks equally late <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good cool. um, bye rudy thank you yeah.